Hallelujah. The hand of God has been so mighty over these meetings and it is because there is something he's doing. There are deposits he's making available. I pray that you will not trivialize this privileged moment that the Lord has granted us. Because viable seeds have been sown on the hearts of men. Lord, we ask that you continue in your business to make out of us mighty men, mighty women of destiny that will change the face of Africa and change the face of our generation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. Hallelujah. Now, because we have an evening service, I will not want to take so much of your time. Um, I want to discuss briefly on the five essentials for every believer in Jesus. The five essentials for every believer in Jesus Christ. Five essentials. First essential, John chapter 1, beginning from verse number 19 to verse 23. Five essentials. John 1, 19 to 23. And this is the record of John. When Jews sent priests and Levites, tell them to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Are thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us, What said thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah have said. I am the voice of one. The first essential is identity. You would need to know in the broad spectrum of possibilities that are captured in Christ Jesus, you must know your identity. And if we probe into the response that John gave concerning the question that he was confronted with, I'd like us to probe into that uh, response um, a little. And uh, it might uh, give us a little perspective. Are you still with me? All right. Um, Maybe we need to do Luke chapter 1 so that I can show you the full scope of things and then help us to understand one or two things about identity. And if by any means you do not have an accurate perception of your identity in the Lord, not your identity that is captured doctrinally. I'm not talking about your doctrinal identity because from the perspective of doctrine, the Bible reveals that we are 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. From the perspective of doctrine, the Bible reveals that we are the bride of Christ. Now, so there are so many theological aspects of your identity that you can get from a mere Bible study. But what I'm talking about here are the insights that the Holy Spirit has given you as touching your destiny, your identity, your generation, and the thing that you are called to do. John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That was um, what the Holy Spirit told him, and he held on to that tenaciously. In the book of Hebrew, um, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, are you there? Luke chapter 1, verse 13 to 17. Luke 1, 13 to 17. But the angels said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall not drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. 17 is my emphasis. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Notice that in, in verse 17, the Bible says that um, John the Baptist was supposed to move in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Do you realize that one of the questions that the guys that came from Jerusalem asked him was, are you, are you Elijah? He said no. That means his biological father did not tell John the encounter he's had about his destiny. And as far as heaven was concerned, that information was already in the earth. The inability for his father to communicate to his son on that matter is what made John answer no. Meanwhile, the measure of John's destiny was that he was supposed to go in the spirit of Elijah and he was supposed to go in the power of Elijah. John chapter 10 verse 41. Let's, that's uh, like uh, John 10 41. He was supposed to go in the spirit. He was supposed to go in the power. Now, this is like an assessment of John's compliance. The Bible says, and many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. It means that John did not fulfill the measure of his witness. He was supposed to go in the spirit. He was supposed to go in the power of Elijah. But John experienced a shortfall. And the shortfall that John experienced was because he did not have an adequate understanding of his identity. So I want to ask you the same question. Who are you? And what do you say of yourself? If we pass the microphone round, you might be discouraged. Who are you? Are you a banker? Should I tell you something? You will not like it, so I'm, I'm still weighing the chances. Uh, you see, that 
The response that John gave was a prophecy of Isaiah. Right? He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. As Isaiah said. If you cannot find yourself in Isaiah, you can't find yourself in Jeremiah. Eh? Are you with me? You don't exist. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Isaiah must have spoken about you. Jeremiah must have spoken about you. Amos must have spoken about you. And John was able to connect himself with the frequency of what Isaiah revealed. That was his understanding of himself. It was captured. God is a prophetic personality. He knew you were coming. He must have provoked one of his prophets to give perspective about you in that Bible. In fact, when you begin to study the Bible and you begin to fulfill your destiny, you are going to see some metaphors, some, some people in scripture that is actually you. It can be Eliezer of Damascus. That, that's if you understand yourself very well. You should be able to trace it. There is a metaphor that depicted you in the Old Testament. Somewhere in one of the stories, it will give you a perspective of who you are. We have a deficit, an identity crisis. When, when Jesus came to the river Jordan and he got baptized, heaven came and announced his identity. The first temptation that he encountered when he went into the wilderness was an identity question. Satan, Satan is going to fight you around your identity. And a lot of believers are very comfortable getting by without knowing who they are. Are you there? In fact, there is an extent to which we know who you are. You will even know the anointings that you carry. You will know whose ministry you are continuing. It might be after the order of Paul. It can be after the order of Peter. It can be after the order of James. For me, I know that I'm after the order of Apostle Paul. In fact, when I study his epistles, it's as if I was there when he was writing that thing. The, I don't know, know how to explain it, but <laughs> you need to know who you are, my brother. You need to know who you are. You also need to know what spirit you carry. So in the unraveling of John's identity, uh, the angel of the Lord disclosed that he was going to run in the anointing of Elijah. Yes, that is the anointing I have, Elijah. It, that's why I'm not too refined. So okay, now come, just say this, say this, don't say this. Hallelujah. You, you don't understand. There are people that God sends when Christianity is about to die and everything is about to be named a manipulation. And then he releases the spirit of Elijah. These people have the capacity to disrupt everything and to bring it back into alignment so that the credibility of our faith can be upheld. You don't do that as a gentleman. Are you with me? I have fought so much that my life is about fighting. Mm, there's no peace around my life. The reason is because a, an anointing was introduced. 
and is part of my identity. If it's on the basis of truth, we will fight, I will fight to the death. And you know, human beings die once. If it's truth, you can't bring error. I will not be able to sleep. I, when I turn like this, the, the sleep is not coming until I say, hey, that thing is, it's not, it's not in the Bible. And I will show it's a, it's a spirit. <laughs> it's a spirit. That's the only, yesterday night I slept. When I speak the truth, when I challenge falsehood, I sleep well. But if I keep quiet, I can't sleep. Who are you? You are trying to be in the image of what people call a normal. You don't want to, you know, offend anybody. You don't know who you are. There's no mediocre that is in the army of God. You are trying to blend. You want to be accepted. You know, a lot of people said, oh, the way you are operating, you are not marketing yourself very well. If you stop saying this kind of stuff, stop talk, talking about sin, talking about devils. There are three things they say I should stop talking about. Sin, demons, and then you become this, the spectacle of Africa. I say, I'm not trying to be in your good books. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, hallelujah. I'm not trying... If you have heard my messages, you will know I'm not marketing. I go with truth. All right? I'm not trying to be your friend. I don't want to, an invitation. I don't want to. No. I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, I've seen so many preachers in Nigeria, they compromise. They just like to stay there in that place so that this kind of people can invite them. This kind of people can invite them. And even these ones too can invite them. It's because you don't have an identity. That's why you sell out. You operate on the negative and positive terminal. Yeah. He was able to say what voice he was. The voice that cried, where? There is a, a prophet that was very instrumental in my life. He... Um, he taught me how to hear God and all the dynamics with spiritual things. I followed him. So for a long time, I, he traveled out and uh, we didn't see for like six years. And when he came back, I didn't know he, was, he had transformed to another man. I was still looking at him in the eyes of who I used to know. But he had gone to a level where he sells prophecy and all kinds of malpractice in ministry was already part of his, um, his delivery. So I invited him to preach for us. And he started by making a statement which is not biblically accurate. And that platform was raised. Are you with me? The platform itself was raised to challenge error and to bring back the pure Christian faith. The, the platform even has more authority than myself because I preached before and I went back and studied the Bible. I saw it was wrong. I came and said, I lied, oh. <laughs> you, are, you are not, you are not there. You are not there. The, platform has, <laughs> the, the platform has more authority than myself. I came and confessed in a conference like this, a conference like this, that, hey, that I said this, but it's not true. See, I found this, this, this. So disregard that first position. This is 
the truth. I, I have done that. Not once, not twice. So the guy came and he began to say on biblical things. When he finished the sermon, I opened my Bible. I started Bible study. I said, this first one here is from the pit of hell. This one here, it, people were doing that. I said, mm, you don't understand. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know, a politician will want to be in the good books of everybody. No, not a voice. Not a voice. He doesn't. His service delivery is to bring the ministry of the plumb line so that people will know what light is and what darkness is. It's a voice that renovates. It humbles mountains and exhausts valleys so that the pathway will be ready for all eyes to see the salvation of God. Identity is the first essential. Number two, I'm doing it in a summary so that you can have the points and when you study further, you'll find those points are the PowerPoints. Second essential is understanding your assignment. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 your assignment. You need to know your identity, then you need to know your assignment. You are studying geography in KNUST, and the reason why you are studying geography is because you applied for medicine and you were not on the list, and they gave you two courses you could choose from, zoology or geography, and you went you and your dad and your mom sat down and said, okay, zoology, no. Geography has more possibility. So that's why you are studying geography. Now, let me, let me tell you something. It, 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 nothing wrong with your geography, all right? But you need to know your assignment. That's a more important information than the name of the course that you're studying. I'm already sucked into destiny. And I remember once upon a time, I was a chemistry student. Am I say a chemist? I, I don't think so. But I was a chemistry student somewhere. But I knew my purpose, even when I was on campus. And I knew what was required to prepare for it. So yes, we're going to the chemistry classes. We're, do, uh, we're making appearances in the laboratories, writing reports for all those things that we do in the lab and inferences. But I had a place, a spot. If we go to that spot on my campus now, it will testify about my presence. My essence is still, a little of my essence is deposited in that spot. That's where I, I, I exercise prayer. I had numbers of chapters that I read because I knew that I was going to be a teaching priest that will re-pioneer Christianity at a time where people think that Jesus is a money doubler and will bring back Christianity in its pure form, I had to study and know the spirit of the book called the Bible. Before I read my chemistry textbooks, my mathematics textbooks, I know how many chapters of the Bible I read per day. I know how many Bibles I finished. It became, in fact, it became worn out. I know how many Bibles I finished while I was on campus, because I knew my assignment. I was still going for the chemistry, doing all of that, 
But I, because I knew my assignment, I knew how to begin to prepare. So people were saying, in fact, lecturers called me and they said, you have the potential to be able to lecture someday. Why not sit down, make the best grade, join us, and then you cannot be doing ministry. Then nobody's coming to supervise you. As wonderful as the counsel was, it was not possible for me to practice that because I knew my assignment. So I kept studying the Bible. I kept praying. I was one of the people that had one of the first people. Yes? I think I, among all my friends that I knew, I was the first man that had the Dick's annotated reference Bible. It belonged to my dad, but he was always on the shelf. So because I knew my assignment, my assignment included the use of that book. You understand? I started studying Greek. Bible Greek, Bible Hebrew, long ago. All right, so I know the text from the original language. You can't deceive me with the Bible. If you go linguistic, I know it. If you go contextual, I know it. If you go geographical, I know it. If you go historical, I know it. If you go any angle you come from, I took time to study that book. And I'm not saying it boastfully. I'm saying it to show you that there is no way you just one day you just become a mighty man. There's no, it, there is a meticulous process that you need to follow. And if you don't know your assignment, you will not know how to apply yourself. Galatians chapter, where? 2 verse 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. They saw it. Do you understand that? The way the skill that he had in bringing the gospel to the uncircumcised, the unchurched people that were romancing with demonic spirits. Paul had such competence in reaching out to such people and they had observed it over time when they saw that the anointing was working in that direction. Next verse, what happened? For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So he knew his assignment. And even though people didn't believe there was any such assignment, they saw the same hand of God walk so mightily towards the uncircumcised in his ministry, just like it walked mightily in the ministry of Peter. They had no choice but to extend to him a hand, right hand of fellowship. Yeah, next verse. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace was given unto me, they gave me Barnabas. Gave me a Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship. That we should go unto the hidden and there unto the circumcision. They gave them the right hand of fellowship. They say, we are not like you, but we cannot deny that this dimension of God that is working in your life towards the, the Gentiles is a valid empowerment from God. Do you know what? This, this is how 
generations acknowledge men. You might hate the man. You hate his approach. You believe he's too loud. You believe he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't have sufficient decorum. You may have your own ways of analyzing the man. But if the hand of God upon him is mighty to achieve a task, even if you hate him, you cannot deny it. Are you with me? You cannot do that. Oh, I remember those days, I was not, I didn't have as much authority as I have now. So we began to do Bible study. Some people say they died and went to hell and then resurrected and brought messages from hell and wrote books. And the whole church in Nigeria, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, nobody could stand up and bring the exactitude on, on the matter. So I waited for two months. There was no response. The people were selling books. So I rose up. I did a three-day Bible study, and those books stopped selling. The people now called our Dex officer and cost him. I said, we cost all of you people. You know what? They didn't like what we did, but they could not deny the result. And all we did was preach. We didn't have the power to convert people's hearts. But the preaching became a platform for God to do a mighty work. After a while, it became clear that there was a mighty work that God was doing through us in the body of Christ. The book stops telling Then another wave that rose up. That, it was after that that hypergrace now showed up. They say, uh, uh, it's not, when you get born again, you cannot lose your salvation. I know so many demonic things. I did a thesis, a 12-point thesis. <laughs> you may not like the man, you don't, you say it's too loud. It's not even, you don't, it's not tamed. It's very corrosive. But the Bible says that the mighty hand of God was at work through him unto the Gentile. Assignment. What has God called you to do? The average believer does not know. The reason why I'm not going to compete with another preacher is because I know my own assignment. I know what God has called me to do. I know there are people that are better than me, but God saw that I was the best for the assignment he gave me. So I don't have anything to compete with anybody else. Are you with me? And because God has called me as a plumb blind teacher, corrective teacher, I cannot do this kind of ministry if my life is not straight. Are you with me? Yes. So my standards are high. My discipline is high. It's, and I, I wasn't born like this. I cultivated the discipline that was needed when I understood the scope of the assignment. A lot of people have prayed for me to fall into adultery so that they will say, we told you, you know what? They will wait for eternity. <laughs> they will wait for eternity, for the last trumpet. Mm. <laughs> There are prayers. People are praying and say, Ay! let him just. Oh. 
He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. When you understand the assignment, you will know what it takes to develop the character that can support it. You will know the discipline that is needed for you to generate the energy that can power it. You see, you will not have any specifics in your adventure if you are devoid of the understanding of what your assignment is. Like I said, what I'm doing here is a recap. I'm just doing PowerPoint presentation so that we'll have time for the evening service when we come along. But I believe it's one of the most strategic things most of you that are on campus, don't waste your energy. Go into prayers, go into fasting. Stay with God until you have an idea of what God wants you to do. Are you with me? After a while, when I started doing the corrective teaching and people were coming out of the cocoons of bondage, liberty became the testimony of many lives. I now discovered that if I don't have the supernatural, people will just think that all I know is, is how to talk. Are you there? I think I know how to talk small, but I realized that very soon they'll just say, eh, it's because he knows how to talk. Eh. So I now went to God. I said, see, if this thing will work, you have to empower me. You have to give me evidence. Something that the human mind cannot explain. I prayed for long, for long, and I'm still praying. The authority I'm seeking, I don't have it yet. Mm, the one I'm seeking. Oh, oh I don't have it yet. Because I've seen myself, I've seen myself raising the dead the way I, I pray for the sick and they get healed now. Yes, I've seen myself do that. Where you can, it, it will be blasphemy for you to say, in fact, for you to say there's something wrong with this man, it will be blasphemy. That dimension of approval, of authority. Ah, it, it has not, if you saw anything, it's not what I'm praying for. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was invited to preach in a church, and the major thrust of that church was deliverance. So when I showed up, came to the, the um, pulpit. First of all, they criticized my hairstyle. They said, This hairstyle, how can this hairstyle be the hairstyle of a righteous man? Another thing they criticized was my lingo. They said, this guy, the lingo is, let's just manage him, let's just manage him. They expected that when I come, I will be pious, sanctimonious, and sacramental. But when I showed up, I tried to shake them. And, uh, <laughs> they tried, they designed me, I said, which kind, what flamboyant man, what is this? So, Based on their rating, I scored an all-time low in the way I was looking. In, I was too free. 
shaking, trying to shake people. So I was a failure. Because I was a failure, they did other things, did other things, did other things, and ensured that my preaching time was so slim so that I would not be able to change the delicate balance on which the ecosystem is resting. Then I was handed the microphone, and I, I cried the name Jesus three times. The people that had demons were elders. They were the same. <laughs> the elders. The, the shame was so much. And I, I, I cried Jesus again. And then one of the most respected women began to salivate. You know what salivation means? The person, saliva was just coming out of. And if you know what that means, it means that there is a serpent covenant that that woman had. The salivation was, you, you can't imagine it. And I looked at that serpent and I cursed it. Hallelujah. <laughs> the, the, we have not preached to I just say Jesus. I said, Jesus. Then two people began to manifest. And the people were elders' children. <laughs> After that deliverance, when those elders' children went home, they, they, they now had a family. They were not baptized. They were not born again, those elders' children. But they were in church. So when the demons were casted out, they went home and wanted to pray. As they just say in the name of Jesus, they were never led to Christ. They began to speak in tongues. They called the pastor in the night that my children are speaking. Hey. By the time we came the next day, the testimonies that have come from different quarters, people that could not see, their eyes sight, with thick glasses, sight had Now, you see, I, I did not qualify as a preacher based on their standard, but they could not deny that there was something. <laughs> he said, that which was working in the life of Peter, it worked in me mightily. And the pillars could not deny that it was the same grace. It's just that the emphasis of this one is the Gentiles. You can, the grace, you can see grace, you can identify it, and you cannot deny it. So by the time we came the next day, the way they treated me was different from the first day. The first day, I was sitting somewhere, they moved me somewhere. And then they went for consultation and moved me somewhere again. Then I was in the middle like this, no, no, no. They moved me to the edge. So they, they had consultations like four times and I was moving with my Bible. Moving. <laughs> but when we came the next day, my seat was already known before I came into the auditorium. <laughs> it, was, it was a humbling moment because hey, the great woman that they used to hail as a mighty prophet she began to demons. And, and she tried to resist it. 
Mm, but the power overwhelmed. She, mm, then he, whoa. <laughs> Meanwhile, when those things are happening, I will leave the, the place. I will be somewhere else so that they will know that it's happening independent. It was, it's not because of proximity. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I am sure that they will never invite me again. I was sure from that time that there will be no invitation and true to it. We don't want that type. <laughs> the anointing is meant for another set of you. Know this. It was a very shameful moment. But they could not deny the fact that the hand of God was at work. I knew that I needed that for my assignment and I asked God for it. I thank God for what he has released, but I'm still desirous of dimensions of authority. Such dimensions that we make everyone a fool that refuses Jesus. Are you still with me? I, you know, I told you we'll be doing PowerPoints. Number three, essential, is you must understand the nature of the anointing operational on your life. The nature of the anointing operational on your life. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. First Timothy 2 7. You must understand the nature. Every every anointing has an errand. Now, let us try to count the anointings on the life of uh, Apostle Paul. He said, whereunto I'm ordained a preacher. How many of you know the preaching and anointing? The preaching and anointing motivates. I was ordained a preacher and an apostle. And I speak the truth in Christ. I lie not a teacher. So that means in the arrangement, in the anointing arrangement in the life of Apostle Paul, he was more of a preacher than he was a teacher. If you read his writings, you might think it was the other way around, but he was more of a preacher than he was a teacher. I am more of a teacher than I am a preacher. It's not because he chose it, it's the anointing that made him so. Yeah. If you, are, if you have a preaching anointing and you want to stir it up, then you means you need to pray long and pray loud. If you have a teaching anointing, you want to stir it up, you need to pray very soft so that the spirit of inspiration can open your heart to the truth that is locked up in the pages of the book. In order for you to tend an anointing, there is a style to it. There is a style. There's an approach. You must know what works. So that's why when we come into the congregation like this, you will not see me jumping. No. I, my tongues are very tempered. Because I'm trusting God for an inspiration. 60% of the messages I preach, I get them on the seat before I mount the pulpit. 60%. 60%. I get them on the seat. By the time I come, people say, oh, he's such a great teacher. They don't know that the thing opened while I was in the congregation. I was expecting an intervention. 
I was expecting the move of God because I know how the anointing of the teacher works. It comes with inspiration. It comes with the capacity to expose and to explain the truth. Paul was first a preacher before he was a teacher. I am first a teacher before I am a preacher. For some of you, you are first, you might be first an intercessor before you are an evangelist. Know the combination that you have. Oh my. Our time is up. Know the combination. And begin to tend it. And I need to tell you. If you, if you want to hear the truth, I will tell you. It takes 10 years for you to develop an anointing. I know you don't like that. People like this uh, <laughs> quick fix. No, not with the anointing. The anointing is grown through process. It's grown through obedience. Grown through pro protracted obedience, alignment, deliberate efforts to align with the hand of God and the government of God. It takes time. To build it to a point where it becomes so significant that people that hate you cannot but notice that there is an investment upon your life. Hallelujah. So I've grown in the use of the teaching anointing to a level. I'm beginning to mature now. It takes time to find you. Please help me tell your neighbor. I have a phrase that I drop everywhere I go. Inconsistency lies the power. Don't forget that. Please help me preach to your neighbor. Inconsistency lies the power. Yeah, Minister Theophilus. So when did you notice this um, minstrel grace on your life? When? How far back now? Give, give us an idea to help uh, our brothers and sisters find perspective. Yeah? How many years have you been using this tool? Give me years. Not. Give me years. 2006 to now, to this time. How many years there? Huh? 16. 16 years. Okay, sit down. So, he's been using that thing for 16 years. Meanwhile, some of you just knew him last year. Some of me, are you following? But for 16 years, he's been using it. When you start using it initially, God will ensure that you are hidden. So that you use it for him. Not for yourself. Not to raise money. Not to. And then, he begins to give you visibility. Then he sees the way you react. The moment you are, because some people's God is visibility. They hop on social media before God releases them to go there. So, and he's doing something, he claims what he wants is visibility. No, you are hurting your ministry. Because people have seen you as an underdeveloped person. They have already deleted your page. So even though you grow now, that first image of yourself you brought was already so terrible that it would take an archangel to change their heart. 
So stay low and make your mistakes. It is God that will tell you that, okay, you are strong enough now. Go. We stayed in the cave for long. I was a good teacher for long. Huh? In 1994, I was already a good teacher. That's how many years? What? Yes, I was already a good teacher in 1994. I started moving in this power 20 years ago, but you didn't know. 20 years ago, people fall in, in my meetings. But I was still hidden. Some people say I even overstayed in the wilderness. It's better that way for you to overstay and then for God to be the one pushing you to go out than for you just took off like a tornado. You have not yet mastered how to handle the opposite sex. You have not mastered how to handle money. You have not mastered how to handle fame. You don't know how to conduct yourself if you are in front of a president, how to bring a prophetic word to him, and when not to be in front of any president whatsoever. You don't know that. You just come to Ghana, say, okay, um, there's a member of parliament that we can go and see, and then you snap there like this. <laughs> you, you don't even know where you are. <laughs> don't know where you are. I went to one country, they said, ah, we, let us arrange for you to see the president. I said, God has not sent me to the president. Can we focus on the reason why we came here? And some of the people were offended. And they stepped down. You know what? I don't care. I know the one that sent me. That's visibility. Meanwhile, we went somewhere else, and they said, oh, there are some government people I prayed that night and God gave me a message to them. I don't stand before a king if God has not sent me, even if I have the opportunity. Because it's not about standing there. It's about ministry, service delivery. So I prayed in the night. A message came. Then I went and delivered it. As I was delivering it, the man started crying. They went, that's a politician that has combated storms. You know what I'm talking about. For a politician to cry in public, he could do all this. It was the anointing. And the message I gave formed the hashtag of the campaign till today. They formed it till today. Yes, I know that there's a part of my calling where God will send me to kings. But I don't want to fake it. If there's no word, I will never go. Because my service is first to God. People might be clapping. They might be clapping for a man that God has rejected. My goal is to serve the will of God. Don't worry, money will come. Don't put money ahead. Say, okay, when we go there, you sat, you sat 2,000 people in Ghana, 3,000. Even if they had given one, one CD, one, one CD. When you begin to do numerical arithmetic, know that you have joined Satan to oppress the people. The way God forms ministry is that he moves on the heart of men. Say, Kai, this kind of man, and they are not putting pressure on people. You just see somebody who just rise up. From nowhere. Say, I've been waiting for you for long. You don't know how many people God has kept on hold with millions of dollars 
waiting for one accurate man to prove that he is in the service of God and not in business. You know, ministry business is different from ministry. If you are not willing to suffer, you, you will never do ministry. For many years, many years, many years, many years, anything we had was not our own. We made it available so that we could provide a platform to bring this kind of service to the body of Christ. How many people have called us names that you are a fool? That when you do ministry, you are supposed to be gaining. You, your own, you are like this. How long do you think you will continue? This is not sustainable. If simple principle of economics. It, if I one told me you are going to be poor, in fact, you are poor and you are going to be poor. We didn't change. A day came, I preached a sermon. Not as anointed as I used to preach. And someone heard the message. He said, who is this man? He gave out of his treasure. We didn't go to beg him. He, he, was, he did it willingly. So I have my dignity in the process. And that's how God touched another one. God touched another one. God touched another one. Some waited to see when we were building, whether we would change. And we didn't change. So this one. And a whole new season was open. Because we're faithful to Jesus. Don't look at money. Don't, don't, don't transpose and say numerical strength is equal to CDs. You have you see, you know when the temptation came to Jesus, he said, turn these stones into bread. You want to make lively stones. You want to convert them and make them bread. I know what I was called to do. And I know I will not live forever. I know it is what I do in time that will echo in eternity. I want to be a faithful student. I've seen Jesus five times. He came to visit me in my room five times. I've heard him speak. And he has encouraged me that what he has set for me in eternity, I cannot even imagine it. Two times he has given me a glimpse by taking me to heaven to see what is ahead of me in glory. What I'm doing now is walking towards it. If you have never seen that end point, you are likely to be fake on ground. I will not be fake. I know I can't be fake. Can't be fake. Cannot be fake. It was in Malawi. I was in Malawi when it came to me. 2009. He said, I will make you one of the fathers of the African revival. He told me that it was so clear undeniable prince on the continent that the grace will so flow to be so abundant that the kings of nations will need to bring you to change the climate over their nation the destiny he has for you is greater than what you can make out for yourself so just follow him people will say you are foolish be foolish for him because the vision will speak and if you not lie if it tarry, wait for it. Because it will not tarry. It will come to pass. Now because of time, we need to stop here.
I'd like us to pray for a moment. I will fulfill my destiny. Oh, oh, you need to make declarations of faith this morning. I will fulfill my destiny. I will not be caught up in the storm. I will not be trapped in the forest. I will not be held back in the wilderness. I will be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I will fulfill it. My voice will be heard. My voice will be heard. The thing that stopped others will not be able to stop me. The thing that trapped many destinies down will not be able to trap me down. The hand of God is upon me so that when the seasons change, his hand on me never changes. He's dependable. He's reliable. So I will not fail. So I will not fall. So I will not falter. His grace upon my life is not negotiable. He will hold me. He will uphold me. I will always speak the right words. I will always have the ability to do His will. I was born for one purpose. To be a witness to the truth. They that hear the truth, they will listen to my voice. Can you call on Him? Can you make those declarations? I'm coming out of the wilderness. I'm coming out of the swamp. I'm coming out of the place that the enemy has manipulated me into. I'm coming out and I will shine brighter because no weapon that is formed against me shall be able to prosper. Ah, you are coming out. Ah, you are coming out. Your story is not what the devil is doing. Your story is what God is doing and what God will yet do through your life. You are an answer to a prayer. You are a manifestation of a prophecy. Hey! Satan is not in control. The kingdom of darkness is not in control. You have seen the devil manifest. Now God is about to manifest through your vessel. Remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. I will do a new thing. And it shall spring forth. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will cross rivers to God's spot in the desert. It shall spring forth. It shall spring forth. It shall spring forth. Come out of the hiding place. Come out of the dark place. The Lord will make you shine. It's a spring fall. It's a spring fall. It's a spring fall. 
will make a way in the wilderness. That place where there seems to be no way, He will cause you to navigate from the wilderness. From the wilderness. Your light will shine so bright that everyone that looked down upon you previously will be compelled to change their mind. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. It has never entered into the heart of man. Saviors are coming from Zion. Oh, do not allow that dream in your heart to die. Satan is not in control. The kingdom of darkness is not in control. Witches are not in control. God is in control. The vision will speak. It will not lie. It shall speak. 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 And it will not lie. The vision will speak. He said it will speak. It will speak. And it will not lie. It will not lie. It will not lie. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But no word that God ever speaks will fall to the ground without finding accomplishment. The vision will speak. Oh, the Lord said it will speak. Brother Joe, he said it will speak. He said it will not lie. He said it will spring forth out of dry ground. It will not lie. 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 God will make himself a great name through your life. The vision will speak. Oh. 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 Your tentacles will grow. It will grow beyond the borders of your territory, your vicinity. Africa shall be saved. 
Yes. 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 The supernatural hand of God will be on your life. Doesn't matter your background, your past failures, your past blunders. Doesn't matter the mistakes you made. I came to tell you tonight. God says the Lord, the vision will speak, and it will not pass. 